You're listening to Innovation for Alpha, where we explore everything at the intersection of healthcare innovation and finance. Through our discussions and interviews, we keep you informed and educated about healthcare innovations, next level venture investing, and everything involving the combination of the two. Hi, everybody. This is Tobin Arthur with the Innovation for Alpha podcast. And today we have a fun conversation. One of my favorite things is when we find uh, a team working on something who have different backgrounds. And so we both we have both of the entrepreneurs, the clinician in this particular case, the clinician expert, and uh, more of the business side, although, you know, clinical background. So we're going to talk a little bit about their backgrounds, but Dentriage is the company. And we are excited about this because we have a growing network of dentists. And so we love to put new dental uh, innovation in front of everybody. And for those of you who are not from the dental world, you're going to get a sense of why this is a great space, why there's so much opportunity. So, um, you know, Dr. and Dr. Gandhi, welcome to you both today. Uh, appreciate you being on the, the program. Um, why don't we start Mayo with you? And why don't you introduce yourself and then um, and then Dr. Rupa Gandhi as well. So hi, everybody. Tobin, thank you for inviting us. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, glad to join. Um, I'm Mehul Gandhi. I'm a physician, internal medicine uh, by training. I've been in clinical practice for about 15 years uh, in all different settings um, of primary care world. Um, and we started Dentriage uh, in late 2017 uh, to address the problem of people seeking care for their urgent dental needs and using ERs as their main venue for that care. So uh, American Dental Association publishes white papers from time to time on ER utilization for dental issues. And they say that about 2 million ER visits a year for dental related issues um, at the cost of $2.2 billion. Uh, and you know, average visit costing $750. Most of these, 80% of these could be taken care of outside of the ER in a, in a dental practice setting. And 70% could, you know, are easily just dental pain. So it's not even a trauma or some other situation requiring a procedure. So we have a massive mismatch of utilization for, de- for this dental care uh, issues. And we want to fix that by providing a teledentistry solution where people can access a dentist 24-7 via video call and have their urgent dental needs answered um, instead of going to the ER and going through that whole process. Um, you know, one of the, the main issues that we also want to address is access to dental care. So not only do you want to take care of the urgent dental issue uh, that people are having, but often they need to follow up with the dentist and they don't have a primary dentist, um, you know, and they kind of just, you know, they fall through the gaps and then wait until the next time they have a dental you know, issue arise and go right back to the ER. So we want to make sure that once we take care of the urgent issue, we can link them with community dentists that has availability that they can book an appointment with. So we want to close that care loop as well. So that's what we're trying to address. Um, I'm going to introduce uh, my better half and our chief dental officer, Dr. Rupa Gandhi. Uh, She's a practicing dentist, has been practicing for around 20 years in multiple different settings. Uh, and she can talk a little bit more about you know, her experience and why this is an important issue to address. Yep. Thank you, um, Nihal. And thank you, Tobin, again, for having us on um, this uh, podcast. This is, uh, this is a really wonderful opportunity. And 
Um, you know, I can really talk about this from just my, you know, daily experience, I guess. You know, I've been practicing dentistry, as Michal said, for, you know, at least the past 20 years now. And, you know, during that time, I, I look back and I can think of countless stories of patients who have shown up to the ED because um, I've worked in hospital settings and community settings where I've been on call um, pretty much uh, one week of every month for the past 20 years. And, and during that time, you know, I've seen patients with um, dental infections, traumas, and I've, I've kind of realized that, you know, these patients really maybe didn't have to be in the ED or are in the ED because they don't have a regular dentist to go to. Um, I had an example of a patient just from, you know, a couple of weeks ago who had come into the emergency room, um, you know, in one of um, the, the North EDs. Um, and basically the ED physician thought that the patient had an abscess when in fact he had a dental trauma. And he did not, he was told to go back at home and see a dentist on a, a Monday or Tuesday when he could be seen. And I was really saddened by this because when we saw the patient, we knew it was a dental trauma. And I so wish that the patient had um, a consultation with the dentist at the time that he was seen rather than waiting uh, 24 to 48 hours later to find someone um, to kind of figure out what was going on, because that would have made the difference between him uh, getting a root canal, keeping his tooth or not. Um, so, you know, this is just a, a really basic example. I have a, an example, you know, of patients who've had abscesses that, you know, that they're waiting in the emergency room for several hours because the ED room is so busy. Um, and this is, these are young patients with, you know, with parents that have taken, uh, you know, they're coming to the ED at the end of the day because they're working all through the day. They're sitting there through the night. And, and I think to myself, you know, I have a child too. I wish, I so wish that they didn't have to wait there for so long. I wish that they would be told that they could go and see a dentist the next morning and have this addressed rather than waiting so many hours to get that answer. So, you know, these are some of the variations um, that I've seen of these concerns. And I so wish that uh, we could find that answer. And I think dentriage is really part of that solution. We're looking to get that access to care for our patients, not just in the emergency room, but really getting them a lifetime of care that's more regular is, is part of that solution as well. And I think dentriage offers both of those um, aspects uh, to, to addressing the problem. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing this launch and, and you know, get that need addressed. I love it. And you guys are talking about, you know, really taking what's a fairly inefficient part of the market and just taking modern tools that until the recent years weren't really available and applying these to create more efficiency in the market. And I'm curious, you know, we'll jump back, Mihul, to you. I want to talk a little bit about how we get from here to there and how are you, you know, from a business perspective, solving this problem. But Rupa, maybe share a little bit. If a patient and what comes to mind to me, and this may not be the standard, but the patient that you would see in the ER, I'm guessing the indicator, the primary indicator is pain. They're usually in some kind of pain. 
Um, they're not generally showing up to the ER because they want something proactively done. So in the case of pain, what typically is the solution? And I think, Mail, you may have mentioned to me in a previous conversation, correct me if I'm wrong, but most physicians, when you go through medical school training and the people that would be manning the ER, they only receive, if I remember correctly, a couple days worth of dentistry training. So they have some very rudimentary training. It was probably years ago anyway. Is that, first of all, is that true? And then secondly, what's typically being done to triage the pain at the moment you know, before doing kind of the next steps where there's maybe something procedural that has to happen. So let me yeah, let me just uh, address the, the training part of this. So I've spoken with multiple ER docs and my own lived experience in terms of training. So uh, unless you're doing an ER residency, typically a primary care doc uh, or primary care residency program or any other program, you, you don't get much in terms of oral health training. You get some during medical school, nothing during residency. And the ER docs generally get about two weeks of very rudimentary uh, training in terms of dental care. So blocks, um, extractions, things like that, uh, or just, just recognizing trauma and what to do. But that's about it. Yeah, I, um, I really like this question because uh, it kind of gets to the heart of you know what I'm passionate about with, um, with our company. Um, so in terms of addressing pain, uh, most of the time, what we see is that the pain relief that patients get is, is maybe with analgesics that are prescribed, but that's, again, very rudimentary. If the, if the patient has a dental abscess, that, that, that's just a palliative patch-up sort of, you know, we're going to get you through the next few days. That pain's still going to come back. And it's not good for adults or children to be chronically taking pain medications to address something that should be treated with maybe a root canal, extraction, and then, of course, establishing care so that you're not having to lose teeth. I think that's the saddest part. We go to the ED and you know, maybe the care that you're getting is that more emergent care of losing a tooth because you're in significant pain um, or maybe at the minimum, you're gonna have um, some pain medications given to you. You're told to go home and figure out which dentist to go to. And, and that part also saddens me too because the resources that our patients have now or our families and parents have is that they've got to go online and maybe search for someone, but they don't have a, a space where they can find that information readily in a curated way that's accessible. And, and that's a really big gap. And I, and I think that you know we're looking at ways to kind of address that gap in a significant and impactful way so that, you know, these kiddos and adults aren't suffering like that and getting palliative patch-up treatments, um, so you know, that aren't sustainable. And I'll, I'll kind of say a personal story. So third year of med school, um, mm -hmm. I woke up in the middle of the night with severe tooth pain because of an exposed root. Um, and I'm an immigrant uh, from India. I didn't get a lot of dental care when I was growing up. Didn't get a lot of care here because, uh, you know, uh, worked several jobs to put myself through college, that kind of thing. Uh, so I didn't really have any dental home or a dentist that I saw regularly and uh, neglected that part of my health. And uh, so I woke up with this severe dental pain, uh, didn't know what to do, ended up in the ER, uh, you know, and... Uh, exactly my experience. You know, it was a dental pain issue. The doc gave me some oxycodones at the time. This was a while back. So they were a little bit 
freer in terms of giving mm-hmm. opiates uh, and gave me a piece of paper and say, here are potential you know, dentists, there's a FQHC, Federally Qualified Healthcare Center, that sees people who don't have any dental insurance. I didn't as a med student at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go to a dental hygiene clinic. Uh, those are your options. And, you know, I suffered through the next two nights, tried to make appointments, finally found an appointment. And by that time, the pain was better, so I didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my experience. This was several years ago. But even now, if you talk to the ER docs or if you just look at the, the, the experience of a patient who shows up at the ER, they get, you know, they get slotted into triage level four or five because the ERs are busy taking care of cardiac arrests and stroke alerts and traumas and things like that, right? So they're sitting there waiting for three, four hours before they get seen. Once they get seen, it's not much the ER doc can do. Uh, and now with all the focus on, uh, on opiates, they don't give anything other than maybe an NSAID for pain relief and an antibiotic if needed. And then they say, okay, here's a couple of phone calls, uh, you know, phone numbers that you can call next morning or, or Monday morning, what have you. Uh, and then that's it. And it'll be a $750 bill. Uh, so that's a very, very frustrating experience for a lot of patients. So, and I, I, can't, I just wanted to chime in really quickly. So sorry. Yeah, I, just about the part about, you know, <laughs> the frustration with the bill. Um, I, I think to myself, you know, if the patient had gone to a dentist instead of going to the emergency room, um, you know, not only would the patient save, um, the state would save, the country would save. There's so many aspects to this problem that uh, are really um, solvable uh, with the right approach and technology. The second part about training, um, you know, yes, the ED physicians, you know, do an amazing job. I can't even imagine how they get through their days doing the amount of work that they do. And it's a lot. They have to deal with so many things. And then having to deal with the dental problem, the ED physician who I, who I you know, found out about from a couple of weeks back he had misdiagnosed the patient's concern as an abscess based on the information that he had mm-hmm. and what he could see. He, he couldn't figure out that it was a trauma and if it was a dentist, they would have. And that ED physician did have the training, but mm-hmm. it's not enough. And that kind of addresses, you know, th- this example, my lived experience, and not just that patient's experience, but a number of patients that I've seen, they've gone through that because that training is not adequate and, and nor should they have that training. That's in the dentist's you know, purview. So. I think you both have established well this inefficiency in treating or using the ED as essentially the dental office. And we see this in other aspects of ED across the board, which is the ED is overused for a lot of things. And I think there are other companies addressing ways to triage and manage. So what I like here is that this is not an unknown issue, but you're specifically focusing in on an area that has heretofore not had um, people addressing it. And I, you guys have been thinking about this deeply. It's not an insignificant problem to solve. Marketplaces, of which this will be a marketplace, are tricky because you've got to get multiple parties to the table to be efficient, right? You've got to get the emergency rooms, potentially the patient awareness of the app, and then the dentists in the community that ultimately you're going to plug that patient into. So a non-trivial issue. Let's just talk briefly. I don't want to get into too much detail there, but how do you think about organizing 
those parties. And I'll just caveat that with there are some companies that take a geographic approach where they say, we're going to get penetration and coverage in a specific market, prove the model out, and then we're going to expand geographically once we figure out the playbook. That's one way to go about it. There are others. How are you guys thinking about this? So a few things on that. So specifically, we want to partner with ERs and urgent cares to make sure we have a presence in those locations because we realize that we're not going to compete with Instagram and TikToks for, for eyeballs and engagement, right? People might need to use the app or the website once once a year, twice a year, maybe. Right. Uh, so we want to meet these patients where they're more prone to go. So they'll still end up, you know, we'd love to create awareness, do SEO and, and other marketing tools to be able to make sure that the name Dentriage is synonymous with urgent dental care. With that said, you know, we want to have presence in the ERs and urgent cares so that when the person does show up, which more people than not will do, they still have the same kind of utilization pattern, uh, that they have the ability there to just go into a room with a tablet uh, mm. and speak to a dentist. Mm. And instead of that visit to their ER being three to four hours and speaking with an, with an ED provider who can do only so much, here you are in and out within an hour, speaking with a dentist, having an appointment already scheduled to see somebody in person. And that's a much better user experience. So that's what we're going to focus on. And specifically, we want to target underserved and, and Medicaid kind of ERs. So, you know, out of this ER visits, 45% are Medicaid patients. Uh, so that's a huge utilization issue for Medicaid. Uh, and in rural places where dentists are not available for call, or even just dentists per capita is not that high, mm -hmm. this is a huge issue. So we want to approach rural ERs, establish relationships with them, start pilots there, and then prove the, the use cases based on those interactions and then move to the larger areas uh, in terms of the front range and then other states. So there is a benefit to the community dentist. You've mentioned mm -hmm. this earlier. So this doesn't just benefit the patient. And, you know, Rupa, as you were saying, there's a societal benefit here, which are costs that are being um, spent that don't otherwise need to be spent, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera. But talked about a little bit about the benefit to dentists in the area who become part of this program and how they can become a feeder. Okay. So, so the few things, one is obviously a lot of dentists, um, unless it's a mature and established practice, or if they bought a practice that was already established, are always looking for patients. Uh, you know, patient acquisition costs can run from $300 to $500 per patient. Um, so, and they're advertising with traditional sort of uh, uh, marketing methodologies, you know, uh, newspaper ads, um, flyers in the mail, uh, SEO kind of stuff. Uh, and it's sort of, a you know, shotgun approach, right? It's kind of scattershot and anybody who sees something and there's a lot of competition. So we flip this and say, here's a motivated patient who's looking for an appointment. We're going to make it easy for them. As long as you publish your appointment schedule with us, we're going to make, them, make it easy for them to schedule that appointment. So all you have to do is confirm and make sure that patient comes in. Uh, and that's a very high value referral source for that dental practice at much smaller uh, cost point 
than they would otherwise in terms of the patient acquisition cost. Uh, so that's number one. And, and eventually, you know, a lot of dentists, especially if they're solo practices or, or small group practices, are struggling with being able to provide call coverage for their patients. And they have to get into these call groups and it's, you know, you don't know the patients and there's a lot of different, uh, and Rupa can speak about that a little bit more detail, but they're struggling to provide call for their own patients. And we can kind of offer them as a part of the service and say, hey, if you're not available, we can have a dentist take a call for your patient and you don't get bothered on a, on a Memorial Day weekend 10 times overnight or something, right? So that's another benefit for community dentists. Yeah, so uh, in terms of the call coverage, I can definitely speak to that because um, I've, I've, you know, I have dentist colleagues who who talk about this all the time, and you know, who mention that, well, yeah, you know, I've got to get into this call group, and then, you know, here I am on call, um, you know, how am I going to figure out, you know, when I'm going to see my patient, what if I, you know, want to make other plans. There's a lot of barriers and, you know, being on call for the past 20 years, uh, <laughs> a week of every month of the past 20 years, I can tell you it's cumbersome. Mm. Um, and, and it's tough when they're in these call groups and you're having to take that call so many times. So I think that this also alleviates a little of that load. Sure. Um, you know, if we're, we're talking about provider wellness standpoint and having some of that balance as well, especially on those long weekends. And my experience also is that you know, those uh, dentists might then say, oh, okay, you've got this issue. Well, um, you know, I'm not a, or I'm not taking call that weekend, but you know, you can go to the ED right. um, on that weekend. And that's where the patient then ends up in the ED. And that's really tough on them. It's not a mm-hmm. great provider experience. It's not a great patient experience. And I've seen those patients come through the ED, um, you know, into our, our clinic. So that's, that's always uh, difficult to see and and to to know that both ends of that are not working well. So it's another resource, it sounds like, for the dentist for sure in the community. Let's jump forward a little bit to the pragmatics. You guys are raising a little bit of capital to help mm-hmm. um, staff up the business and build out the MVP, mm-hmm. um, $350,000. And let's talk a little bit about the milestones that you intend to achieve with that new capital. So, yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, we are looking at raising about $350,000 um, pre-seed sort of friends and family round. Um, we want to build up a DevOps team. Uh, we have a team identified uh, overseas in India and in Turkey that they can do all the development work. Uh, we need a full-time CTO stateside to kind of make sure that that we're able to manage all of the development, database, administration, and any other technology-related issues that that you know we'll need to sort through, uh, and, and that is to kind of get the MVP up and rolling. MVP will consist of triage algorithms where a patient can answer a series of, series of questions, and based on what they answer, they get recommendations about what to do next. Uh, it will have a search function with geolocation. And it will have the ability for dental practices to, to publish their appointment schedules or availability, and then uh, for a patient to book those appointments. So that's just the MVP. And then as soon as we have that, uh, we will like to pilot that and then get, you know, follow that up closely with the video uh, consult of, uh, capability with live dentist. That makes uh, sense. And you guys recently we're admitted into a new program, which is validating. Talk a little bit about the Innisfear Colorado Life Science uh, program. 
Yes, thrilled to be a part of that. Uh, this is a inaugural program. It's a life sciences incubator program, uh, which is a partnership between Colorado Bioscience Association and Inosphere Ventures. Uh, and we were one of the, the companies selected to take a part in it. Um, it's, it's just a wealth of resource. We've had a few sessions in terms of education and things like that. There's lots of connections being made. And, and we get to work with a, one-on-one with a client manager who's very well experienced in entrepreneurship and, and health tech. Um, so this is a great part uh, opportunity to be a part of a program and meet other like-minded entrepreneurs. And then they're really kind of giving us the boost that we need uh, to, to launch and to, to grow. So uh, just, just thrilled beyond words to be a part of that. That's great. And this is a great story and we're going to follow you guys closely. We love it that it's a Colorado based company. So we always have a, a little special something in, uh, in our hearts for local companies, but as you guys hit milestones and are, and are learning, we'd love to hear about that and share that with the, the community. We'll create uh, information in the show notes for people to contact you uh, if they'd like to um, be involved in some capacity, whether that's a, as a potential investor um, and you know maybe even as a beta user once your MVPs are, uh, MVP is ready. So I uh, really appreciate it. It's fun having... Um, you know, a, a husband-wife team working mm-hmm. on something like this, and and especially when you're both doctors, uh, what a great background! Uh, it's very powerful. So thank you both for spending time today and sharing just a little bit about Dentriage. We're excited for you. Thank you, Tobin. I had just one quick comment about you mentioned. You know, if people want to get in touch, uh, yeah. love to hear from folks, especially if there's any dentists in the audience. We'd love to hear from you you know, learn about your experience and your thoughts about this uh, platform that they were putting together. So please feel free to reach out. We'll put all the information in the show notes. Absolutely. Well, thank you both. Great to meet you. Thank you so much, Tobin. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tobin. Thank you. See you again soon for the next episode of Innovation for Alpha. Make sure to go to Innovation for Alpha for access to prior episode links, show notes, and other valuable resources. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any investment decisions, please consult with a professional. This show is copyrighted by Angel Indie Media, and written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. 